Okay, so today we have a guest with us. His name is Patrick Mellon. I started, um, I, I met Patrick last year when I was studying at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, and I was becoming a qualified MBSR teacher, which Patrick was doing as well. A little bit about Patrick. He graduated from Northwestern University with a theater degree. In 2006, after living, working, and performing in Chicago for a year, Patrick made his Broadway debut in Lestat by Elton John and Bernie Taupin. In 2007, he was introduced to Chloe Wing, a teacher of the Alexander Technique, and Patrick became certified by Alexander Technique International as a teacher of the Alexander Technique. In 2013, Patrick found MBSR, or Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. He, he attended an eight-week course in New York City and then continued to study, practice, and attend retreats. And as I was saying a little earlier, he's currently qualified to teach mindfulness-based stress reduction. And Patrick is developing a six-week Alexander Technique slash Mindfulness Hybrid course, which will be available this summer at Balance Lab, which I'll give Patrick a little more time to speak about later. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about my personal experience with Patrick. I, I met him at the University of Massachusetts at what was called the Practice Teaching Intensive, and there were 62 people there becoming qualified teachers in mindfulness-based stress reduction from all over the world. And Patrick was the one person that lived the closest geographically to me. So I think when I originally um, started to gravitate towards Patrick and we started to build this relationship, it was there was a geographic familiarity and a cultural familiarity, but as I got to, to know him, I, I realized there was this lightness and this humor about Patrick and the way he practices and, and teaches. And it, it was, it's a nice balance for me because in my practice, I can sometimes be someone who uh, takes it a little seriously. And in meeting and growing with Patrick, there's been a reminder of lightness and humor that can be used in the practice as well. So I wanted to say, um, on behalf of all of our listeners and myself, I'm happy to have you on today, Patrick. Well, thank you very much for having me, James. It's a pleasure to be here to uh, talk about all manners of mindfulness. It was great to listen to um, your conversation with Mirto as well uh, from last week, which I yes. enjoyed. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you have a history in performing arts, how do you see mindfulness being an art and how does it relate to the performing arts? I believe that mindfulness is uh, an art. I, I often talk about it as a skill, if you will, but like an art or a skill, uh, it's something that can be refined over time. And it's not, it's not something that it's either a yes or a no. It's on, it's on the spectrum, if you will. And uh, the idea that we are, able to enter into a mindfulness space and learn more about it um, and explore it and really get in touch with what our, what our strengths are. Um, you know, there's so many different types of meditation out there. There's so many different ways to access what we're calling, you know, mindfulness that sort of mirrors the performing arts. Like not everyone is a triple threat, you know, triple threats being dancing, acting, or singing. And one person might be more skilled or one of those might, might be a strength more than the others, much like as we practice mindfulness, 
you know, sitting might come naturally. It might be sort of easy. It's almost weird to call sitting easy, as I do not find it to be easy. Simple, but not easy, maybe. Or perhaps walking meditation is something that someone can be drawn to, or something. There's diff- different practices, different skills become strengths. So I think we can break down, you know, this word strength into, you know, a talent knowledge and then skill level Uh, and all of those things are of course on a spectrum as well where as a performer any performer listening or any performer is has an innate talent uh, and perhaps that's discovered when you're a kid or something you're drawn to as a kid Uh, and then as you age (laughs) uh, and seek out opportunity to explore this talent uh, you acquire this knowledge through, you know, education and experience, and then w- with the combination of talent and knowledge, we start to develop this skill, this sort of ability to do something to a more and more refined degree. And I think that applies to any strength of ours, whether it be in performing arts, with mindfulness, or anything else. But specifically, it's you know we're all born with this talent of present moment awareness. You know, there's not an 18-month-old out there who's that worried about the past or the future. So we have that talent inborn in us, much like, you know, a singer uh, sort of just sort of has a talent for singing. And then hopefully life comes along and gives some knowledge and education and experience around uh, singing for the performer. Or as a meditator, as a, as a mindfulness practitioner, life comes and sort of teaches you to do maybe something else. And so we come back to mindfulness. Uh, we, we come to mindfulness classes. We, for myself, and I know for yourself, James, we come to retreat and we come to teachers for this education and experience to sort of let this talent, this innate thing that we're born with grow into something, you know, brighter and bigger within us. Uh, and then of course we, as we practice, we gain in skill, we grow in skill, we uh, sort of push the goalpost further and further back for how far we can take this skill. And then once we've sort of established ourselves within our own strength, then it becomes an art. Then I feel you wake up in the morning, and you're like, what, how can I employ this uh, strength of mine to really do something in my life today to, to make something of this day? into something that I'm going to be proud of, something that I can look back on and say, that was a, that was a beautiful day, if you will. Uh, oh, um, Patrick, uh, I wanted to ask something about something you said. You mentioned that an 18-month-old, as we come into this world, we sort of innately have this, this awareness and this presence. And the analogy you're using is that um, a, a, a performer might have a certain level of talent and then they are are taught maybe by teachers or through um, education and classes to uh, kind of hone in and, and um, direct that talent into some, into creating arts. Would you say, like, like it sounded like you were kind of comparing the awareness or the mindfulness piece to be this um, talent or, or um, this, uh, like the raw um, ability and then maybe practicing in meditation or, or seeing it, uh, um, studying under a teacher being the thing that hones this skill. But I think a question that maybe a lot of people have is 
do I have the talent, so to speak? Like, do I, uh, is meditation for me? So on, in that vein, do you think that everybody is born with the talent to be able to meditate? I do. Well, meditation is a tricky word. Uh, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think uh, my opinion is that everyone is born with this innate ability, if that's how we're going to define talent, this innate ability to be present, to be in the present moment. Um, and I think if that is our birthright, if our birthright is here you are, <laughs> literally, there you are, you are nowhere else, uh, and you are cared for, ideally, by uh, a parent or uh, you know, a loving um, caregiver, uh, you have this ability to be in the present moment. You have this born with ability. Um, and then I think as we grow old, as we've discovered, as, as I think anyone who's entered certainly an MBSR program or anyone who has come to any sort of, uh, I don't want to call it a spiritual awakening, but awakening of like, oh, I've been having all of these different habits that take me away from this innate ability of mine to just be present, to be quiet, to be with myself. Uh, and I feel like then we can just start to go into is meditation for, is seated meditation for me? Is walking meditation for me? Is yoga for me? Um, what is my, what can I do to sort of shine this uh, pebble, you know, of this innate ability of mine uh, to really make it something that I'm proud of showing to others in the world? I guess. Okay. Well, I, um, it's something that I've thought about, and I've heard John Kabat-Zinn use a quote along the lines of, as long as you can breathe, then you can meditate. And um, I like to believe that. You know, I, I've met some people who I think maybe have an easier time sitting in a formal meditation practice. But I do think, I like your analogy about the 18-month-year-old because we really do, it, it, we, I don't think that it's possible to, not have this awareness like the the awareness that we are a person somebody looking through your eyes and and breathing and living and tasting that's just innately there and um so i think in that respect we all have the ability to be aware i would say but um maybe going along with what you said it's it's like finding what works for you maybe you you find that you're a person that it resonates more with you to do a walking practice or maybe a sitting practice or maybe yoga or something else. You know, some people who um, go skydiving, they consider <laughs> that form of meditation. So mm -hmm. it really, I think it just depends, but that awareness is innately there um, to, to sort of maybe switch it up a little. I, when I was studying with you at UMass and as we've continued to connect over the year, I, feel that you are a funny person and i think that you you have a great sense of humor that you that you use in your life in your conversations but also in your practice can you talk a little bit about humor does humor have a place in the practice of mindfulness 
uh, I think it should. Um, the um, it's funny when I don't know. I don't. I currently do not feel on the spot, but it's like, wait, I have to be funny now. Um, I don't, but uh, and I'm not. I'm really sad. No, everything's fine. But <laughs> the idea that. Um, I firmly believe that a lot of anybody being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I've heard about meditation. I'm going to find a, a YouTube video and I'm going to meditate. And then you like click on these things and it's like, find a quiet place to lie down. <laughs> and it's like a little bit like, well, okay, a funeral home will do. Like it's a little, it's all sort of too <laughs> precious by half in many ways where it's like, um, uh, and so I'm not necessarily a one man band being like, this can't be overly like to treat teaching of mindfulness as like this overly precious sacred thing that is like dulcet tones and, uh, Nirvana, you know, by the end of a 20 minute sit is not true. Um, and so, you know, humor, I think what happened to me um, is that from an early age, I was using humor as a way to sort of divert or escape or um, make a point even at times. And so that just became part of who I was to try and like get, get a laugh out of somebody. Um, and so I spent some time, I, I have spent time like thinking of like, all right, it's not like my, I'm not doing a stand-up routine. I'm actually teaching, you know, I'm practicing uh, with people and I'm teaching people how to practice. Um, but I, I think humor is important to try and as you're sort of fertilizing this ground for new students to make sure that there's some sort of, don't take this, don't take yourself so seriously that this isn't something, this isn't something to be, uh, unless it is actually life and death, this is not life and death. <laughs> um, like this, this, this second right here, right now, uh, is not life and death. And therefore there is a wryness to it. There's, there's a, there can be a, a question like, really? Like, is that really how I'm thinking right now? And, you know, I think some of the, some of the epiphanies I've had, you know, even on a silent retreat where half the way through, you're like, wait, what? I've been thinking this, this entire life. And now I'm seeing something so much more clearly. And it's almost, it's like a laugh. It's a, it's an epiphany of, you know, and, and another person's uh, reaction might be to well up with emotion, with tears or, uh, but my general reaction is to well up with laughter. Um, I had um I, I listened to a lot of recordings by Alan Watts who is a um he's a he was a philosopher and he spoke he connected like western and eastern philosophy and he speaks of satori which the way he explained it that I can remember is like a moment of insight that comes up in um your practice of your life but he can he relates it very strongly to laughter it's something that comes up like from from the the base of your gut and it comes up organically and that it is sort of like a laugh. These moments of insight and practice are, are laugh and it's humorous. I also have heard stories about people who have deep insights in their organic 
response to these moments of awakening or insight is just to just to totally crack up because mm -hmm. there's um, like you said it's it's kind of silly sometimes you look back and you say it's silly how i was seeing things um i my my thought on it is when i sometimes when i'm teaching in my classes i will remind the students but i'm mostly not mostly but i'm also reminding myself that it can be fun. So I'll start a class by saying, and all of these things about guidelines for the group and how we are to communicate in order to keep the guidelines in the group. But then I've been adding at the end and remember that this can be fun. And that's something that I have to remember constantly myself is that this practice is, like you said, we can't take it too seriously in this life because it's something we can smile about yeah. and have fun with. It can also be fun. And I, and I think the, the other, the, one of the things I love about laughter in a meditation room is that we're sitting with a lot of stuff. We're sitting with deep emotion. We're sitting with shame. We're sitting with, you know, vulnerability. We're sitting with all of these things that are sharp and kind of rough. And then all of a sudden, uh, if something happens that is, uh, genuinely funny and can have like a chorus of honest laughter around it. That's sort of my favorite moment is that moment as the laughter dies down, there's just a lot of present moment awareness of like, oh, that was, that was a lighthearted moment. And then people sort of go back into themselves. And it's in that sort of return to themselves that sort of also echoes that moment that a lot of us talk about when teaching, where, you know, if you can catch your mind somewhere else that that catch is sort of this present moment awareness that should be celebrated and then you just bring your attention back to the breath or back to what you're listening to or back to the siren passing me on ninth avenue right now um so that's how i <laughs> i well yes i would agree i um that there's a there's an organic nature to laughter that is like a sneeze. It's involuntary and it can't be forced. So, and when it is forced, you could feel it. So there, there's something about organic real laughter that is very much now, very much in the moment and organic. Absolutely. Um, another question that I had, had thought about is what is resonating with you lately in your personal practice the most or in your teaching, if we haven't already spoken about that? Like maybe another thing that's resonating with you personally. Um, right now, what is resonating with me is this um, siren on Ninth Avenue. But um, <laughs> it's also just so, uh, this is a sidebar, but they recently, in Manhattan anyway, because people have stopped responding, talk about mindfulness and habit, people have stopped responding to the, what I would refer to as the normal ambulance sirens. So they've switched to this new siren, the sort of high-low siren that they use mostly in uh, Europe. And so it sounds like I am in some sort of like spy movie being shot in London half the time. Anyway, sorry, that's a sidebar. But in my, in my practice uh, right now, it's, uh, I'm moving into a more physical practice, which I think is interesting. In other words, um, for a large period of time, I have, you know, focused on 
sitting practice um, and sort of made uh, a yoga practice that was not necessarily, how shall I say, consistent and or wholehearted, if that makes sense. Um, and so in just recently being able to sort of balance that in a different way um, and getting more into mindful movement, um, not necessarily difficult by any movement, but um, sort of broadening my horizons in terms of from seated meditation, which I do think is important and is still very much part of my daily practice, um, but then also adding in more movement and more, uh, it just feels more expansive, if that makes sense. And let, it has then affected my day-to-day -day in that um, it's almost easier to bring in, if that makes sense, because what it's done is sort of cracked open this, you know, container of like, oh, and now I'm seated and now I am practicing. Whereas now with more movement in my life, I'm just more reminded by my own body movements, my own body reflexes that like, oh, and this is something that I've also done sort of in the container of my practice that then directly also relates to the rest of my day. Um, I, I sort of, what I'm thinking is, as you're saying this, I'm sort of connecting it back to the arts in that, like you, you I, I think what you're saying is you were formal, you were sitting more in formal practice and then you've been incorporating more movement in and it has, you said broken the container between like, now I'm doing a sitting practice and now I'm doing a movement practice but what I'm hearing, or at least what, what has happened for me in my life, is that when I practice in a lot of these different ways, it has then um, organically come into my life in these ways. So if I'm practicing more walking meditation, I find myself coming to a more spontaneous mindfulness when I'm walking to the bakery or when I'm walking to the store. And when I um, am you know, incorporating different movement into my practice and awareness of what's going on in my body, then I find myself, when I'm moving in that similar way throughout my life, coming to an organic awareness in that, when I'm moving in that way. And the reason I said uh, bringing it back to the arts is I would imagine that when you are performing, you're learning all different skills. Um, maybe you're learning speech and then you're learning dance and then you're learning... Uh, vocal performance, and then all these other um, parts of the whole of performance. But then when you get on stage, it's these things come together organically because you have practiced them individually. And it's kind of similar that what I'm seeing right now in my practices. When I practice movement and walking and sitting, then when those things happen organically in my life, when I sit, when I happen to be walking, when I happen to be moving, there's more of an organic awareness. What do you think of, of that? I think that it brings, you're talking about the becoming a whole person, if you will, I, or not becoming a whole person. You are a whole person, as am I, as Thank are you. we all. Uh, but I think bringing the holistic-ness uh, of how we do one thing is how we do everything. Um, and so how we, how we sit is sort of how we do yoga, if you will. Um, but I think to your point, you know, how we apply ourselves to learning a new dance combination is how we apply ourselves to learning a new song um, or learning, you know, a more refined golf swing for those of us who are not 
performers or meditators, but somehow golfers who are listening to this podcast. Um, so, uh, but yes, I agree with you that my first teacher, Chloe, she used to you know talk about fractals and how like uh, that one little piece of it, if you could figure out the one little piece of it, you figured out the entire thing, if you will. Um, because, uh, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Well, I, um, I had a teacher once, actually you were there. It was Uh at the PTI (laughs) that she said that everything is in the raisin. So that's coming to mind right now. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That everything could be in, in the one practice. But, um, Patrick, I, I want to be mindful of, of your time. And, um, I, I know you're busy and it, it's, it's something that I'm very glad that we had this time to have this conversation because I think there's a lot of insight that comes up in these conversations. My understanding of the mindfulness based stress reduction practice at its essence is there are two components. There is practice and then reflecting practice and reflecting and this is a time of reflecting that I'm I'm grateful to be spending with you because I think that there's a lot to be learned in my conversations with you and I wanted to say thank you on the behalf of everyone listening and thank you for me but I just wanted to give you a little time here to talk a little bit about um, Balance Lab or a little bit about this this class that you are uh, you are creating or how can people that are listening if they want to learn more about you and your practice in your studio how can they find that out or what is some information um so i teach um in manhattan mostly and brooklyn um so the alexander technique is separate a little bit from my mindfulness situation at this point um but what i've been hoping to do with this sort of six-week course is to sort of combine the two in a way that is not overwhelming and or confusing. And I think, um, I think a lot of people who would be listening have already practiced mindfulness and so, or have had a mindfulness course maybe. And so they sort of experienced it. And so they, they have a working knowledge of what it is for them. Um, but sometimes it's hard to explain, you know, what mindfulness does to someone. Uh, to someone else we're like well wait what what does that feel like or what is it um, and I think Alexander technique is the same way it's a, it's very experiential um, but the way I've been talking about Alexander technique lately uh, and how it relates to mindfulness is that the you know first foundation of mindfulness is body awareness uh, and I believe that Alexander technique uh, is a way is a system uh, to become aware of the body um, and our physical habits that let us leave muscular force and tension behind and enter into a state of ease uh, and balance. Um, And so Balance Lab um, sort of lives mostly online right now at balancelab.com. And this summer there's gonna be an opportunity for people who want to do like a six week course of just introducing, you know, the Alexander, the uh, system that the Alexander technique uses to sort of become aware of their body, become aware of their movement patterns, um, and be and be able to decide and experiment with, like, well, does this movement pattern uh, serve me, or is there a different movement pattern that is less uh, effortful 
um, how can I release some of this effort as I move through my day to day? Um, and so the six weeks sort of starts with Alexander technique and then moves into a few of the mindfulness practices, um, still keeping them combined. Uh, and how that goes is there's a new guided meditation or, and or exercise mailed out every week. And then there'll be a daily email sort of supporting the weekly theme. And then of course, check-ins with me. Um, so that's where we're at right now with that. It's a very new, it's a very piloted program, but I'm excited about it going forward. Well, it sounds great. And I, I just want to urge anybody listening that might be in the area to check it out. If it's some, it's something that you think you'd be interested in. And if you have experience with the Alexander technique or mindfulness and you want to learn more, Patrick is your guy. And um, I just, once again, Patrick, I just want to say thank you for being on. And I hope to have you on again in the future and have another conversation like this because I've enjoyed it. Absolutely, James. Thanks so much for having me today. All right. Take care, Patrick. Be good.